Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exists, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. My name's Marshall. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, so we have been nice and ahead on things, a couple of weeks buffer. We did, We yeah, we were good that way. Yeah, life got busy. <laughs> yeah, I got... It got pretty busy, Tim. And now we're pressed up against it, but that's all right. We're gonna we're gonna get this. We're gonna get our buffer back. Yeah, it's we're, gonna be good. We're back to the almost podcasting in real time kind of thing. Right, you're like forty eight hours. Yeah, it's all right. It's all good. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had a crazy week last week. I had a crazy week last week. Mm-hmm. But we survived, Tim, and here we are back at the podccasting booth. And I thrived. I don't know about you. I'm just kidding. Oh, ouch. I just thought is I'd that throw a burn? Is it a burn on I just my thought sermon I'd throw it up from there. Sunday? Is that know. what that is? <laughs> I thrive because of your sermon. Oh, oh thanks, man. I, I doubt that, but thank you. Um. <laughs> so so here's here's a bit of the shift we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been spending most of our time offering forward Christian answers Mm. about uh, how we form our our worldview, the, the reasons we believe the things that we believe. Now, that is a good study. It's a necessary study, but it's not a complete study. Yeah. Because we also need to recognize that people have questions, and they have their own worldviews, mm-hmm. and they challenge so what we're going to do is we're going to shift now where we're going to spend a significant amount of time looking at various challenges, alternative views that are put out there as uh, as views that are, one, self-defined as in conflict of the Christian worldview, um, and argued over and again as uh, the better view, mm-hmm. according to, to their position. We need to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an opportunity that someone out there is going, listen, you don't have to give them that space. You believe what you believe for good reasons. That's enough. Mm. Right? We're not subject to this. I, I think that that's poor reasoning for, for a couple of reasons. One, in in working to uh, bring out the fruit of apologetics, which is um, first and foremost, the solidification of our faith in our own hearts and the shoring that up, and two, helping to bring either assurance or uh, an introduction of the Christian worldview into other people's hearts. Mm. If someone asks you a question and the best you can do is say, I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> You're gaining no ground. Right. Right? So so maybe maybe we feel like there's a flex. We have the authority of Scripture, which is therefore, in effect, the authority of God on this statement. I don't need to receive your position um, because mine is good. Yeah. Right? I, it's, it's a non-answer to say, I don't have to answer that. Yeah. And I think if we try to kind of, you know, do the whole putting ourselves in other people's shoes type of type of scenario here we would want as christians we would want in our discussions with those who might come against or have questions Mm -hmm. about our system of faith to have at least some kind of grasp about what it is that we actually believe oh yeah 100 percent. and so i think it's fair to some degree that we ought to have a reasonable grasp of where people are coming from in order to engage with them, uh, not just only in a respectful way, but in an intelligent way. Yep. Right. And so I think there, we're going to see that today. We're going to see that in a in a series of the the episodes that follow. But you know, helping us understand where other people are coming from, and then and then maybe talking where the distinctions are, mm-hmm. the differences are. But I think it's important for us to 
appreciate to some degree how people have come to where they are and where people are coming from because that is going to help us uh, understand our our audience Mm -hmm. and it's going to help us hopefully intelligently provide an alternative response right in the, in the long run so right and and so so one it's a non-answer it's not an intelligent response it doesn't it doesn't help it doesn't meet people in the conversation mm-hmm. you're right secondly i would say um it's it's not the more godly response i i think sometimes we do this with this sort of pietistic attitude of uh my faith is greater because I don't even need to have that conversation. Um, that God is the creator of the natural universe. That we would amen all day long a sermon that says the fingerprint of the creator is all over his creation means that the examination of the creation teaches us something about the creator himself. Mm. It's a worthy conversation for us to study observable science. Sure, yeah. It's an act of worship. Yeah, yeah. And so if people haven't kind of caught on to what it is that we're going to talk about, it is the origins of the universe. Yeah, that's where that's where we're going to begin with, right? Start mm-hmm. at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I would say it's, it's not the greater statement of faith. Mm. Um, and, then, and then lastly, I would say it's not really the pursuit of truth. Answering questions leads us to truth. Yeah. Seeking out answers to questions. When we say, I don't need to hear from anyone else, I don't want any more information, part of what we're saying can be, I'm afraid that what you might have to say might shake me. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. No. Right? We genuinely believe that there are answers to these things. So today, we're going to start with what has come to be the most prevalent origin story of our society, the Big Bang. Bang. Pop. And not the sitcom. I have literally never watched an episode. Really? Yeah. I've, I'm not, I wasn't like a regular watcher, but I've seen a handful. It was funny. Yeah, so here's a bunch of science nerds c- coming into contact with the real world. So I've I've seen just bits and pieces, right? Okay. And and what I found was in the in the bits and pieces that just sort of show up because it was a cultural phenomenon for a very long time. Right? There was no avoiding it. Well, I guess you could avoid it, but it was hard to avoid. Sure, sure. Um what I saw were some really good moments, but also a lot of mediocre moments pumped with laugh tracks, like constantly, <laughs> to the point that you're just like, it, it, you're, making, you're making this too much, right? right? Like you're trying to make it funnier than it is, right? Whereas yeah. my, I, I tend to like more the understated, right? Mm-hmm. Like the joke and they just keep going and there's no, it, to me it just felt like the applause light flashing. Like, right, right. Whether you like it or not, you're supposed to laugh here, and this is your cue to laugh because that was funny. And you're like, well, I'll decide, and I'm thinking no. So that was always my thing with yeah, it. It, just felt, yeah. it felt a bit forced. The best, the best sitcoms are always the ones that are, that are you know, not only just in front of a live studio audience, but where you can tell that the laughter as things are being recorded is genuine. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a show that I... I don't know if I want to record. It's a Scottish show called Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yeah. And they do it that way. Like you literally have just three sets. You've got like the the one side of the house, the other side of the house and the local pub because it's Scottish. So of course it mm-hmm. is. And in uh, that you can just tell when you're watching it that the the laughter at the jokes and the moments is is totally genuine. Mm-hmm. It's... It's not too bad. It, they're, they're, it, it's a little crude. I, I, yeah, but, but in it, I'm not recommending it. But, yeah, but it, but it's, it's one of those. Uh, I, the, the genuineness of it. I'm just, you know, as we're spitballing here and just talking about something. Totally, I don't know why we're talking about. This. Well, because it's called the Big Bang Theory. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, so Big Bang Theory. Let's let's talk about this. Mm. A lot of what we're gonna do uh, is res- in response to a YouTube video, mm. short YouTube video, just giving the the. Literally the 101, that's what it was 
yeah. it referenced. It's yeah. from National Geographic. Mm-hmm. The 101 on the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And so we're taking that in as um, as a, a basic introduction of it. Sure. We understand that there are probably physicists around the world who have written papers that would be more in-depth and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Whatever. This is a general overview, and mm-hmm. that's what we're going to speak to. Yeah, this is, this is a little bit like... The, the, the nuance and the detail of what we're going to be talking about today is beyond us to some degree, but it's Maybe, not yeah. necessarily... Well, yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, but it, but it's a, we're, we're going to try to speak to the level of the everyday person mm-hmm. and, and, so, and, and how, how the everyday person might understand this and, and where, you know, where those conversations are going to happen, right? We... We're not we're not you know prepping for a formal debate amongst some secular astrophysicist. Yeah, although I would I would argue that there's no use in us bringing anything that wouldn't stand. No, right? no, no, and no. So all, all I'm saying is like at, at some point someone would say, well, it's that, but it's more. But that doesn't sure. that doesn't mean that the arguments that we're going to put forth wouldn't stand against the more as well, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, first off, it starts off talking about how. Mankind has always had this desire to understand where they came from, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, and it does that talking about um, creation myths, sure, right? Yeah. Religious myths and creation myths mm-hmm. that come about, yeah. And every society throughout the course of history has has some kind of story or set of stories regarding the origins of of life you know and the earth and and that sort of thing right and it's just a it's one of those just common features of what it means to right. be human um you know those big questions where did we come from mm-hmm. or where did all of this other stuff come from right so what is then essential essentially a creation narrative mm-hmm. right yeah so creation narrative essentially is just it's it's a story that seeks to make sense of the world around us, right? I would say that's a myth. Well, okay. A myth is a story that makes sense of the world around. Creation narrative would be specifically... The origins. The story of how things came to be. Yeah, sure. Right? Which appears many times in myth. Totally. Right? And, And that's what National Geographic was getting at. There are all kinds of myths creation narratives as myth that are presented. Um, Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. That's undeniably true. Mm -hmm. Right? And we we did an episode more in depth on this earlier, back. We acknowledge that the technical nature of the word myth Mm -hmm. doesn't imply fact or fiction, just the story that makes sense of the world around us. Mm -hmm. Um, so on that technicality, the Christian worldview and the Christian creation narrative, uh, fits within that realm, um, that we would argue it's provably true and that society by and large only uses the word myth to talk about fictional things. We would say whatever the technical side of, um, of that word might be, we would stay away from the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even with science, there is this creation narrative yeah. Oh, yeah. that is made off of observation, right? And creation narratives have varying degrees of fact and fiction, mm-hmm. right? You have things that are entirely bizarre. Sure. Right? Uh, where where worldly things become the creation of the world right, right. there are there are human beings involved yeah. or, or lotus flowers yeah yeah uh, the babylonian myth that i always come back to is like the slaying of the serpent and yeah. then using its guts to make the universe so it's like the universe is the guts of a serpent it's like well, where did the serpent come from what is the serpent made of why right. is the serpent there but the person who who slays the guts, right? Yeah. Like for the, for the ancient Babylonians, that was enough because yeah. they were like, "Well, our king is descended from that guy, so we're good." And that was that was it for them. But yeah, <laughs> but I, it doesn't really stand up today. <laughs> or or the the 
the Hindu lotus flower. Yeah, sure. Right, just sort of blossoms in where the universe within a lotus flower, and you're just like, or this is like Russian stacking dolls kind of thing. <laughs> um, it sounds poetic, but does every you... lotus flower also have a universe within it? <laughs> that would be, oh man, no. Oh you're... yeah. Oh. No. Yeah. So so there are there are problems with some of these that have. Um, an absolute dependency on worldly things mm-hmm. to have brought about the world. Sure. Which we could look at along with a number of people in the science, scientific community and sort of shrug our shoulders and go, that's problematic. Sure. For yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. And, and and for all the reasons that they would state, we would also state as problematic. Sure. Um, some of them, some of them will still use observation Right, mm. like they're even the ones that we would dismiss are still observing. There has to be an origin. Right, there is right. an effect. There has to be a cause mm-hmm. for the effect. Mm-hmm. Some catalyst that brought it about. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only a catalyst in how it's brought about, but why the will of someone to bring it about. If there's a creator right. in that, right, right, um, and and that's I think that's that's one of the things that the the modern interpretation and view lacks compared to all that came before yeah. was a sense of like genuine meaning and purpose. Right. Um, because what, what we have today, what is being promoted today as the, the, the primary or the, the best ant possible answer for the origins of the universe, um, lacks all of that. Right. Right. So that it's distinct in that regard. Um, yeah, but, but, but generally people, people didn't just want to know the, the what and the when, but they wanted to know the why. Yeah. And the Big Bang Theory provides, doesn't really provide a why. Yeah, and, and that's, I, I think that would probably be the principal difference between a scientific origin story mm. and a mythical origin story, mm-hmm. is that science has decided, I, I would say consciously decided, to remove any concept of why mm-hmm. and to to say that's unknowable and, and I think they would even go so far as to say um not even present yeah to, it's not to, a to thing. dismiss it's not a thing right they're going to take a very naturalistic expression if sure. it can't be quantifiably measured mm-hmm. then it doesn't exist mm-hmm. right so there is no concept of why there's only when and how mm-hmm. right that would be the the greatest I think separation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, when science talks about this, they're going to use the word theory. Right. We need right. to talk about the word theory. Mm-hmm. Um, when scientists use the word theory, are they doing the same thing as a myth? Is is a scientific theory sort of just another way of clothing a myth and, so- and calling it more factual? So, well, a theory does the same thing as a myth insofar as that it provides a narrative framework for the reason behind things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not entirely provable, else it wouldn't be called a theory. It would be a law. Right? Um but, you know, there are reasons why, you know, people would hold to this particular way of thinking. So in that sense, there is there are commonalities, right? Yeah. And I think, I think, and here's just something that I think people need to understand, because oftentimes this distinction is like, I believe in God, I believe in science. Like this is like this dichotomy, this false dichotomy, mm-hmm. right? As though like they're at entire odds with one another. And we've spoken to this issue a bit, so I don't want to get too into this, but we also have to understand that like not all of science is created equal. Sure. So here's what I mean by that. You have something called operational science, or it could be called experimental or observational science. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of science that leads to all the technological advancements we see, the medical breakthroughs, it, it's it's the kind of science that leads to the fact that you and I are both using laptop computers, right? That kind of science. It's studying things in the present to see how they work in order to understand them, use them, manipulate them, etc. That's that kind of operational, ob- observational science, okay? 
But there's a whole other branch of science, which is really the science behind the Big Bang Theory and what we're, we're going to get into. Um, because when it comes to questions regarding the origins of things or things that we can't necessarily observe here and now, it's totally different. It, 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 it involves things like the origin of geology or paleontology or archaeology, even forensics, right? It's this, it's this, um, it's this kind of narrative science. It's this hypothetical science, this, this theory of science, right? So, so it's, it's what happened, Mm-hmm. Right, because you can't. Again, so to, and, and that doesn't mean that that science is, is entirely that kind of science is entirely useless, right? Obviously, forensic science is useful in solving cases at times, right? Right. You find some DNA, da da da. And so, what you're doing is you're making assumptions based on things you observe, mm-hmm. but you weren't there to observe the actual thing. So, you find someone's DNA at a crime scene. So, you can kind of assume to some degree, oh, they must have been there. But there are other ways that that DNA could have gotten there theoretically, right? right. And so, so there, the difference is it, there's one sense that is like measurable, measurable, observable, repeatable in an experiment. There's another kind of science that is more theoretical, right? And, and it's more it's more of a reverse engineering, sure. Which is, uh, like you said, oftentimes reasonable, sure. right? We we have this final product. We understand that there. We understand a limited number of ways this could come about. Which of these limited ways is the most reasonable? What would have to have gone into place in order for this to be the outcome? Yeah, an easy right? yeah, an easy analogy would be like a car. So if you think about a car, a car mechanic knows how a vehicle operates. Mm-hmm. They understand the different parts of the vehicle and how they work together and and and, and what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? But he doesn't necessarily know everything about how each piece of that car came into existence necessarily, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't necessarily know who built it and when and where or where that technology even came. Like, you know what I mean? Like your car mechanic might not be able to just go at length about how your air conditioning system was developed and and, and how it was, you know, invented and, and what, how it was implemented, right? He knows how to fix it if it's broken mm-hmm. because he knows how it works now. And right. He knows how it works in your car. Right. But but actually understanding how each piece came into existence, that's more like a manufacturer's knowledge. Yeah. And and I would the analogy I was going to use is to talk about a doctor. Okay, where we go in and we say, this is what I'm experiencing. And they take what knowledge they have of whatever it is that you're experiencing, that set of symptoms and try to reverse engineer what might have happened to cause that. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, it's pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. right? This is, there's a measurable thing, right? Like your leg hurts. We take an x-ray. Oh, it's broken. Right. Right? <laughs> uh, but sometimes it's not that easy. Mm. Sometimes you go from specialist to specialist to specialist, and, and there are a lot of theories that are put forward and tested, some that can't be tested, and, and you might just never know exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's kind of a similar process, right? Mm-hmm. Like looking at what is and trying to figure out how it came to this point. Mm. Right. Uh, but theories, in order to be even classified as a theory, this isn't just the flinging of spaghetti against a wall and right, seeing what sticks right. and what doesn't. There's, there is rigor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that rigor is, is not on the, um, the side of we've recreated this and watched it happen. Right. I, I think it's, it's unfair for us to require that of them. Right, oh, like yeah, if you want you to come can't. in and require that, people are like, well, you're not even using the scientific method because right. why? Because they didn't create a super black hole and <laughs> and cause the universe to implode and then measure it for five right. billion years. Right, right, right? right. Come on, guys. Right, <laughs> at some point you just have to give and say, I understand why you're incapable of doing this, right. and I'm not going to hold you to that. Sure, right? sure. Uh, but I also believe that myth and science can come together. Of course, yeah. And I think that this is what happens in the Christian worldview, mm. right? We have an ancient story passed down through millennia mm-hmm. that helps us to make sense of the world around us, as do many other religions and cultures. Question is, does it stand? Mm. Right? Sure. The lotus flower test. When we, in the observable world, 
Is there any reason for us to look around us and say, no, I think, I think we are in a lotus flower. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, when we look into space, we see the walls of petals, right? Right. Containing, right. we don't, none of that exists. Mm-hmm. But if science and what measurable observations we have around us can point to the validation of the myth that we have, mm-hmm. that's the two coming together. In fact, that's the goal. That's the greatest good. Right. 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 And so the question is then, does the Big Bang, in a couple of couple of questions I have about Big Bang, one, is it entirely antithetical to the Christian worldview? And two, does it answer the question it seeks to answer? Right. Though, that's the two things that we want to look at today. Mm-hmm. Not in that order. Uh, mm. But... Sure. Th- that's what we're looking for today. Yeah. All right. So yeah. the core teachings of the Big Bang Theory. You want to hear the first one? Sure. So initially, there was this hot and infinitely dense thing. Mm-hmm. It has been referred to as kind of an egg or different analogies that have been used over the past as, as kind of the theories developed. It's essentially like a supercharged black hole. Right. That is that is kind of how the Big Bang Theory begins. And approximately 13.7 billion years ago, it explodes. Right. And matter and energy and time and space are essentially all created all at once. Create is the wrong word because they appear all at once or are formed because they wouldn't like the word created, because that, that implies a creator. Although they used the word created. Interestingly, in the video we watched, yeah, they did. But I'm sure that, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So so essentially, there's this like very dense, very hot little bit of stuff that's actually a whole lot of stuff mm-hmm. that explodes 13.7 billion years ago. And, and when that happens, you have... Because before that, there's not matter. Like, this stuff isn't actually stuff. Um... But there's, you know, energy, time, and space all of a sudden kind of become a thing. Um, yeah, kind of virtually all at the same time. Right. So so this is the, the basic understanding. Supercharged black hole implodes on itself, out pops the universe. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, here are the questions that I have about this. First off, supercharged mm. is a statement of energy. Right. Energy equals what? Uh, wait, it's, it's mass times the speed of light squared. Absolutely. Oh, man, I got it. Okay. Right? So that's physics Einstein was, equals physics. MC squared. Yeah, yeah. Energy is, requires mass. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it assumes energy and matter. Mm-hmm. It assumes time. Yeah, it does. Speed. Of and light, it assumes right? a location. Because mm-hmm. you right? have to measure that speed. So the theory of relativity right. present within the Big Bang Theory's origin statement mm-hmm. is all four items, matter, energy, space, and time, present. When the National Geographic proposes this as a theory... And uses the word creation. It says it creates from this implosion matter, energy, space, and time. You cannot create what already exists. Right. You can reallocate it. Right. But you can't create it. Right. You can manipulate it, but you can't create it. It's Mm -hmm. already there. And so from matter, energy, space and time comes matter energy space and time (laughs) right where do matter energy space and time come from in the big bang theory it comes from a a cataclysmic event of matter energy space and time that's not (laughs) helpful no that's that's instead of doing that whole like chicken and egg thing that's like Mm -hmm. the egg and the egg well so yeah and that's why some some proponents 
or some people who were uh, physicists who were proponents of the Big Bang theory have adjusted it to just mm-hmm. be like, well, it's it's a it's a cyclical. The universe is a cyclical thing, right? So this so so at the end of the last universe, everything had kind of collapsed upon itself into this tiny little sure. thing. Yep. And so that because because for the for this, oh, I can't recall the 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 doctor's name now, but in any case, his his theory was okay. Well. That's an insurmountable obstacle. So what we're do is what we're going to do is we're just going to kick the can further back and mm-hmm. say, well, this universe came from what was left over from the last universe, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. But still, you're kind of left wondering, okay, but chicken and egg, or egg and egg, as right? You just said, and, and even in that, like that's where the National Geographic wraps up the video by saying this is the origin of our universe, right? They're specific about it, which you know. was a really interesting statement, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't want to skim over that because I would, I would hear that and I would say, no, no, no. The question is, where did all of this come from? Mm-hmm. Not how did our universe form, mm-hmm. right? I want to know where it began. Right. Right? And and in that case, this is where I would say the Big Bang Theory to, to are two questions. Does it answer what it seeks to answer? And is it antithetical to the Christian worldview? I'd say it doesn't answer what it seeks to answer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because we still don't have an origin. Right. And the only, the only thing that you can do at that point is either keep throwing the date back and say, we don't know it, something had to predate this, and just keep going. That's why, even in some, within some of our lifetimes, we've just seen the numbers on the age of the Earth and the age of the universe oh, yeah. just exponentially grow. The age of the universe was $6 billion when I was in high school 15 years ago. Okay. So now it's... Now it's thirteen point seven. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a pretty significant. The universe is aging jump. much faster than you are. <laughs> Which that's, is, at least that's something what's happening is, here. At least something is because I feel like I'm aging terribly. But <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so is it an origin story? I would say it's not an origin story. Mm. E- even if you wanted to call it the origin of our universe, I would say no, because energy is neither gained nor lost. It's only transferred. Mm-hmm. We all think back to ninth grade physics or whenever you right, took right. high school equal, physics. Each action has an equal and positive right. reaction. And so, so because of this, we'd have to just say, you know what? The energy that is then in our universe now has always been, so we're not talking about the origin mm-hmm. of those, that energy, mm-hmm. right? Or in that case, the matter mm-hmm. or the time and not the space within it. So therefore, we've not gotten to the origin of anything at the Big Bang, only the reformation of it. Right, right, at, at its very best, yeah. Right, and if we, if we keep throwing back, the only thing that we can do at this point is just assume that the universe, according to Big Bang Theory, is, goes into, in, into an infinite past. Mm. And I would argue... This is going to be one of those trip-up moments for some people, so you have to hear me to the end. I would argue that an infinite past is illogical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An infinite past of material substance is illogical. I would argue an infinite past is illogical. Okay. But I would argue that God stands outside of the quantum world, the quantum world being matter, energy, space, and time. Yeah. And if he stands outside of time, yeah, of course. then okay. he, is not, he is not bound to right, or right. held within time. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't be considered a past. Yeah. I, okay. I know as Christians, I see we, what you're saying. Yep. especially those people who grew up in the church, you've, we've all sat in those mind-blown moments of contemplating eternity past and eternity future. Mm-hmm. I would argue that, that when God speaks the universe into existence, mm-hmm. that is when the concept of time comes into existence. Mm-hmm. And so before that, he was, it was something other right. outside of time. Can I tell you what that is? No, because my entire capacity for understanding the world around me is bound to matter, energy, space, and time. Exactly. Right? So so anyone that wanted to challenge me, be like, well, then what was it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm limited. I'm limited to an observable world. Yeah. Uh, 
But logic would tell me that the inventor mm-hmm. of quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. this, I don't want to keep saying it over and over again, but these four elements mm-hmm. of the, the quantum world mm-hmm. uh, brought into existence by a creator means that that creator is not made up of or bound to those things. Right, right. Right? Yep. Whereas the Big Bang Theory insists mm-hmm. that the creation is made up of its created elements. Right, essentially. Yeah. And I would call that illogical. Yeah, yeah. So so the the narrative of the 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 Big Bang theory continues with like these different eras which mm-hmm. we won't go into too much detail but there's like the the radiation era where there's matter hasn't really become a thing yet. Gravity hasn't really it's there but it hasn't really become a thing yet. And uh and there's this rapid expansion of the universe propelled by what? I don't really know. They don't really know. Um and then it becomes hot, so hot that these quarks, these little tiny building blocks of material bond together to make protons and neutrons. And then essentially over time, uh, the universe gains an ability is almost the, the, the phrase mm-hmm. that it used. And it's not almost, that's the exact that's, use. Yeah, so, so this, this is National Geographic. universe has an ability to form these different building blocks, which are right. initially hydrogen... And a helium gains the new ability. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I, I find this. It, <laughs> here's here's a really fascinating thing that takes place uh, not only in cosmology like this, mm. uh, but all the more in evolutionary biology, which we will get to eventually. Sure. sure. Um, the personification of process. Right. <laughs> is fascinating. Right. It, it's really interesting because yeah. when you start personifying mm-hmm. the universe, mm-hmm. right? The universe is building this. Mm-hmm. Then what you're doing is you're saying there is some active force that is bringing this to be. We're just going to call it the universe. It happens, they would say, by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. But still, in order to communicate that, their minds intentionally... I would argue no, I would say unintentionally, go to an agent, mm-hmm. right? Evolution has caused da-da-da-da-da-da. No, that's a personification. You right. have made evolution an agent who had a desire mm-hmm. or a chosen outcome and brought that outcome out. Yeah, It's not chance happening. Right. Or right. in this case, the narrator and those who edited the video for its factuality mm-hmm. inside of the National Geographic were comfortable enough to leave the personification of the universe. I think they would say, it would never have crossed their mind that someone would dig this deeply into it. Right. But I, I think... But we did. <laughs> and, and I don't think it's a waste of time. I think sometimes we say things sure, sure, without sure. really thinking through them. And if we dig back, we're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. There was there's something deep seated mm-hmm. in me allowing myself to think that way, the personification of the universe in in saying in the second epic the material epic it mm-hmm. gains the capacity to create matter mm-hmm. right there's causality there's purpose mm-hmm. because now that it can it will why mm-hmm. I don't know right <laughs> so there's there's capacity there's going to be a set of will yep. and, and and all of a sudden we have this active agent, which mm-hmm. is the universe, mm-hmm. that is adjusting itself, uh, and mm-hmm. that's pantheism. Yeah. Or panentheism, yeah. whichever yeah. one. It could, it could end up being either. Yeah. Uh, and we see that. But we it see, is a religious belief. Yeah, we see that in our culture, too, like where people personify the universe as, yeah. as kind of an active agent. Yeah. Um, purposeful to some degree mm-hmm. but thankfully for uh you know for all the pagans a uh, not a not a, a moral agent so they're not bound by the sure by the <laughs> their yeah. actions at least unless it's the karma thing but then the karma thing is really eastern mysticism and not secularism but yeah in any case in any case so these different building blocks the helium and hydrogen they combine to create these clouds then they collapse on themselves and create stars and all the heat Essentially, helium and hydrogen plus a whole bunch of heat creates all the other elements in the periodic table. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never seen that actually happen. Sure. Right? But, like, we've never just, like, taken helium and just, like, heated it up so hard that we got gold out of it. But apparently, that's that's the explanation. And, I mean, I, I again, admittedly, am not a chemist 
or an astrophysicist. But, and again, yeah. I realize that the, the, the heat of a star is a pretty astronomical thing. So I don't want to just like... It's literally astronomical. It's literally astronomical. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But at the same time, this is not something that's necessarily been observed or measured. Sure. but, but It's even, hypothesized. Even in its theory, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there are, there are some insurmountable questions in it. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I think that's the thing. And I and here's the thing: when it comes to like different people like hypothesizing about the origins of the universe, and th- this is this is just based on a whole lot of things. Our conclusions are typically shaped by our assumptions, right? Right. So, and we have to be aware of that in our own selves to mm-hmm. some degree. I'm not getting anyone here to like question their faith, but I'm just saying like. Our assumptions are, are are shaped by our sorry our conclusions rather are shaped by our assumptions. So there are some assumptions when it comes that are that are generally held by the vast majority of modern secular scientists. Mm-hmm. In in the, the the first one to to really remember, and we've talked about this before, but it's important to to refresh on it is materialism. Is that nature that matter is you know, where matter, space, and time, let's say, is in all in energy, sorry, rather, are, is all that exists. Mm-hmm. That nothing can exist apart from that. Every, that is everything. Um, and that everything can essentially be explained by enough time, chance, and the laws of nature that are working on the matter. Mm-hmm. So just give it enough time, make it big enough that there's enough chance, and understand, have a, a, a bit of a grip on how things work from what we can see now. And that is enough to explain everything, right? right. How can there be life on Earth? Well, the universe is so infinitely big that yeah. here we are. Yeah, and we should do it. We should do a, an episode on the multiverse. Theory. Oh, we'll do that. We'll um, do we'll we'll do the fine tuning. We'll yeah, do, which will run that much deeper. We'll yeah. do all that. We'll get into all that stuff. I don't. We don't have to. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. But yeah, some some things that came up. And and you might have some some thoughts too before mm-hmm. we close, but some just some 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 things that are kind of interesting about this theory. Some questions that that I have, you know, that are just genuine questions, right? Like, so what I was surprised to hear because I'd seen videos and stuff and like pictures from like what I thought were a telescope of a star being born. This is the birth of a star, and I was like, whoa, that's wild. I found out that that's that those images were not actually from a telescope. Those were based on a computer program that somebody did to say, this is what it would look like for a star to be born. Uh, they've, they've never observed a star being born. Hmm. They've observed deaths, these supernovas, mm-hmm. but they've never observed a star actually being born. Um, because again, there's this chicken and egg situation when it comes to stars. You need stars to make stars. The, the idea is that only a star has the heat required to make anything more complex than those basic things of uh, ba- basic molecules of, of, of hydrogen and helium. Um, but then you you need more than just the hydrogen molecules to have a star. So you so it's like okay, so we need a star to have things like iron and carbon and all these things that like make up mm-hmm. our world, right? Um, but but in order, so you need a star to get those things, but a star also kind of needs things beyond just the, the, the raw hydrogen and helium. So anyway, so it's kind of this chicken and egg thing that just, just doesn't make sense. And in fact, people might know the name Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, he's kind of a, he's kind of like the, the layman's secular astrophysicist. Yep. You People have seen him. You'd recognize, if you don't recognize the name, you'd recognize his face in a moment. I guarantee it. Um, but he said, he actually said that if we didn't have stars to observe, because mm-hmm. there weren't stars in the sky, um, science would have no feasible explanation for the formation of stars because it would essentially violate our understanding of the laws of nature. Right. <laughs> so he's like, if we didn't see stars, we really would have no way of like explaining. How, but we know we have to have an explanation because they're there. So we need to come up with a theory to explain how they're there. Mm-hmm. But our explanation it doesn't really doesn't really line up with what we understand. Yeah, and and, and you know what? To be honest with you, I, I don't really fault anyone at that, right? No, at like, least it's being not, honest. It's not a mockable thing. No, at least being you, honest because because what they're trying to do is to saying 
let's let's learn about a thing we don't understand. Sure. And along the way, you're going to uh, have multiple advances and setbacks. The more you learn, it, it's true in anything. The more you learn about it, the more it unfolds and you realize there is something to be learned, mm-hmm. right? As someone mm-hmm. who's lived in a country where you speak a foreign language, the number of people who come in and they're like, I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to become fluent because their their sort of raw understanding is I need to learn vocabulary, right? And they think learning vocabulary is what it means to learn a language. And then all of a sudden they realize that there's this thing called conjugation of verbs. And, and grammar. And then all of a sudden you start <laughs> realizing that you speak in multiple tenses. Right. Right. And, and that even your own nouns change according to the tense and how it's being used and how it relates to the verb and all that kind of stuff. And then they realize, you know what, language is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. And they came into this thinking that they were just going to be instantly conversational. And now you're lucky if you study hard to be able to be as conversive as a three-year-old. Right. Right? <laughs> like that's no small feat. Oh, yeah. To be able to speak in a foreign language as yeah. well as a three-year-old. Oh, yeah. And and so the more we unfold it, the more we realize there is to be explored. I don't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. The big question that I have comes around what we also see as observable science, mm-hmm. and that is the law mm-hmm. of entropy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Most people consider entropy to be this, uh, a movement toward chaos or decay. Mm-hmm. That, is, uh, that is a definition. That is one way that it's used. Sure, It's not a complete definition. So if you're going to show this episode to someone who studied this, I don't want to leave it there. The better definition for entropy is uh, the leveling of energy, right? That energy would move towards a leveling. Mm-hmm. You have a, a place of high energy and a place of low energy. Um, energy flows. It moves back and forth. It exists in two forms, the potential and the kinetic. And these things are interchangeable. The best way to think about it is this. If you take an ice cube and you set it in a room— it is going to exchange heat with the room around it. Mm -hmm. And it will eventually even out so that you end up with water that is at room temperature. Right. That's the observable thing, Mm. right? This is measured, entropy is measured as a probability. Mm -hmm. The probability that you're going to move from high energy, which we would call order, to low energy that leveling or disorder is, it's like 0.000, like is further than you would choose to remember three, right? So it's just wildly improbable, Mm -hmm. which is why you don't put a cold drink into a room and have the room stay where it's at and the drink stay where it's at. That would be just holding even, right? right? But if you put a cold drink into a warm room Mm -hmm. that the room would heat up because what energy moving energy is inside the drink would transfer itself into a greater concentration and therefore cause the room to heat up is a little bit mind-boggling like i'm sure there are people who are listening to this and they're being like wait 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 why would the reason you would be mind-boggled by that and say why would a cold drink ever heat up a room Mm -hmm. is because you've never experienced it Right. It is so improbable Mm -hmm. that it has never been observed. Right. Right? And so we call entropy a law. Right. Is there a theory where hypothetically the energy could move into a greater concentration? Sure. Mm -hmm. But it never happens anywhere. Yeah. It's not based on things we can observe and see. And so, so when we move from the radioactive epic into the epic of matter... What we're seeing is the formation of matter in a way that is concentrating Mm -hmm. and finding itself in order, right? Mm -hmm. Are there mass, energy, and radioactive elements at play forcing these things? Sure, but they're not leveling. Mm -hmm. They're concentrating into specific elements and specific forms of matter 
and they're they're building up into potential energies and not just expending into kinetic energies mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we have a scientific requirement for order concentration and formation that goes against everything we've ever observed mm-hmm. about entropy yeah. being a movement toward disorder or the leveling right. of those energies. Right. And so my question is just, why wouldn't we assume that the universe would move deeper into chaos mm-hmm. instead of moving into order? Right. Right, I, I I haven't yet seen a great explanation for that. Yeah. Right. We we shouldn't assume based on observable science that over time things come together. Right. I know that a lot of Christians like to say you can't put all the parts of a car into a garage, let it sit there long enough, and it the parts move into a car. I think mm-hmm. I think that's an oversimplification. You want to throw in some sort of outside force, a tornado, a fan. Sure. Whatever yeah. sort of movie the these tornado things, assembles the car. It's or... still not going to come together as a car. I get that, but that's kind of the point, right? Like, why why is this thing coming together in such a useful and profound way? Right. They would argue useful and profound um, are imposed upon it. Uh, it just is what it is. I would argue that the statement doesn't stand against what we know to be true, mm-hmm. and so therefore isn't reasonable yeah i mean again the and this goes back to something i mentioned earlier but like part of it's going to be adding the uh extreme amount of time and extreme amount of chance right Right. that that is that is kind of there that's there that's the way of just saying well because the universe is so huge something's gonna happen that's you know you know what i mean like that's gonna explain it and and we're that that is that kind of like add enough time add enough chance is going to be the answer to a lot of questions that we have on some other issues that we're going to get into in upcoming mm-hmm. weeks. Um, but I, you can't just keep saying, "Yeah, but but what if it did?" Right? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think and so. So some of the people listening might be like, "Okay, well, well, if Tim, who is not a trained physicist, who is a trained pastor, can be like, this is a pretty big hole in this theory. Why in the world? Like, people might be wondering. Okay, so if that's not even his area of expertise." Why in the world do so many in the academic world still hold tightly to this view? Now, the reality is that 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 is loosening to some degree. Mm-hmm. There are there are some people who are kind of like questioning or adjusting some of these theories that have been been held. I think even the way that the Big Bang was t- is was taught to me in high school is going to be vastly different than how it's taught today to some degree. But we also have to understand the pressures in academia, right? Like academics just like anyone else are subjected to peer pressure and actually oh, more, yeah. more so yeah yeah more so uh, academics in the field of astrophysics uh, could lose their if they're studying for their phd they could lose their phd they could lose their funding for research they could lose their tenure as professors if they question this prevailing theory which is a little bit different than what happens in like um, the field of like biology or cancer research, right? Where people are constantly questioning, where does this you come from? How do we treat it? What can, do we do? You can really struggle. You can lose all of those things to question evolution in, in some areas. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, and here's the thing that people need to understand when I'm talking about these people losing their PhDs or their funding or their tenure, I'm not talking about literal seven day creationist biblical Christians. I'm talking about secular unbelieving people, atheists, who are afraid to lose their careers just for questioning this prevailing view because it's that tightly held because this is the meant to be or projected to be the silver bullet against mm-hmm. any kind of creator, any kind of purpose or meaning or morality behind the universe. And any you know anyone who is bold enough to poke holes in the Big Bang Theory is potentially going to be in the crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Now that's starting to shift very recently, but you know, and, and so, so again, why is that, right? If science is supposed to be a continual challenging of the things that we know in order to to know more, it's because it's because there there's a lot hanging on this question, mm-hmm. because this is like this is the you know secular uh, naturalistic science coming up with hey we found an explanation for the origins of the universe that doesn't have to involve God. Mm-hmm. And people yep. might say, 
okay, well, there's this little hole in there. I'm just like, no, 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 shut it, shut it, shut it. No, no, no. This is our thing. This is a good thing. This is what we're going with. This is great. Don't don't poke any holes in it, right? What are you, some like Bible-thumping Christian? Well, no, I'm not, actually. I just don't think the science matches every... Well, no, 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 no. We need this. We need this to, per, to, to you know, to advance this perspective and this reasoning for the universe um, that it is ultimately meaningless and and it's funny i i was watching some explanations for the origins of the universe and and some of the stuff that people you know some of these secular scientists like to say one guy i can't remember his name now he's like he's like they were talking about how essentially we're all just made of stardust so we're all just you know our our the, that sounds like a pop song the atoms oh yeah we're all just stardust that sounds like katy perry yeah it totally does actually <laughs> um yeah anyways um, essentially though, what this, what this scientist was saying in, in trying to sound like a meaningful, in, in a meaningful way was, you know, talking about how we we're all just kind of made up of these particles that existed because stars billions of years ago exploded and somehow through this whole process of like mm-hmm. order coming from disorder, which you've already addressed, um, here we are. And, and they were like, and this guy actually said, he says, forget G- about Jesus dying so you could live. Stars died so you could live. And that, like, that epitomizes, that epitomizes the, the perspective, right? Yeah. It's like, there's, there, it's like your, your purpose, your existence, um, your reason for being is nothing more than just the accidental nature of this universe. And you had enough time and chance and here you are. Yeah. And, and so our final question is, how antithetical is the Big Bang Theory? To scripture, right? Um, and 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 it, I I know in in having a, a genuine conversation with uh, an, a, a secular uh, cosmologist on this, if I brought my challenge, my two challenges, uh, something from nothing, mm-hmm. because it's not an actual, mm-hmm. it's not the beginning of the story. It's like picking up a book in chapter five mm-hmm. and assuming this is how the story began. Right. Right. Uh, so something from nothing is, is a problem for me, um, that the big bang theory just doesn't even acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's, I would say it's not an origin story. And and then secondly, entropy order from chaos rather than what we observe to be different. I, I think the answer to the second, uh, the first would be, we just don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I, that seems to be, the most uh, sincere argument out there right now, um, which is genuine, sincere, and I don't yeah, have a problem with that. Fair enough. Uh, the the entropy they would say entropy only exists uh, out with a, without an outside force, and I would say fair enough. Um, yet all of the natural world is consumed within this. Mm-hmm. I don't see how the quantum factors mm-hmm. at play are their own outside force. They are the thing unfolding. Right. And so so to argue, according to Newtonian physics, that it's an outside force that has to keep these things from moving into entropy, um, you know, equal and opposite re- reaction, unless acted upon by an outside force, then I would say, what is the outside force? Mm. Not the internal force, the force within, mm-hmm. but you're going to argue for an outside force? I'm with you on that. Let's talk <laughs> about an outside force. Yeah. <laughs> right? And and to leave that question on the table, and if yeah. they were able to say, and I, I think they genuinely would, mm-hmm. um, yeah, interestingly enough, I don't know what the outside force would be. I'd be like, I have a theory mm-hmm. for outside force. Mm-hmm. And if they were to say genuinely... Um, where these things came from, we don't know yet. We mm-hmm. just know how they were manipulated and, and how it came to be for our universe. I would say, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, I do have a theory for that. Mm-hmm. And they would say, yeah, and these things just sort of like, there was a cataclysmic moment when all matter, time, energy, and space came into being. Mm-hmm. I would say, I agree with you. Yeah. In the beginning, God created right. the heavens and the earth. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you and, get all of it there. You've got, you've got, you got time. You've got energy. You got time, and in the beginning, you've got energy, and He created. You've got the heavens, which are space, and the earth, which is matter. Like you've got this like ancient version of those four things that we right. say are necessary. Right, and so, so I would put all those things together, and I would say, I uh, 
time time is going to be the one that most Christians are going to get tripped up on. They're going to be like, oh man, if Pastor Tim says that the world is 15 billion years, I'm going to have to find a new church, <laughs> <Yep>. right? <laughs> I, I don't believe... I don't believe that when God created the earth, it was all brand new and in its infancy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Adam was a newborn baby, right? Right, right, in, right. It, in, the, in the miracle of life that is only, uh, that, it, that is outside of the natural world that we know, doing things that only God can do, mm-hmm. I believe that the earth itself, mm-hmm. the universe it's within, and even the animals, uh, mm-hmm. the plants, right? There was trees in the garden, not seeds planted in the dirt. Right, right. right. I, I believe that all of these things were created in a mind-boggling way with age. Sure. On day one, there mm-hmm. were things that were years old. Right. Right. Yeah. I have no problem with that as a concept. Yeah. Yep. I also believe that to be true, reasonably so. Then mm-hmm. of the universe, right? Sure. So would we measure it and look to it, not in a way that was like, oh, I need to prove a theory, so I have to kick the can. Mm-hmm. But if we were to look and be like, we see stars, we know these stars are that far away, so it, at minimum, mm-hmm. we would expect the universe to be this old, mm-hmm. then I would say, sure, but maybe created with that age. Right. I don't know. Right. Right. Or with that light that is visible, right? Yeah. Maybe God wanted his creatures made in his image to appreciate the beauty of these stars that were so far away. Right. And so... So I would have I would have agreement on the observable factors mm. with most cosmologists, which I think is probably jaw-dropping for a mm. lot of people. Mm-hmm. Where I differ with them is the interpretation of those observations, mm. right? What do these observations teach us? I don't believe that they teach us about billions of years old, mm-hmm. right? I think it's perceived billions of years but in actuality, not, mm-hmm. right? Um, chance. I, I don't believe that chance is the factor. I believe that will, a mm-hmm. creative will, yeah. that you keep slipping up and saying is the factor. Yeah. I don't believe that internal forces adjust themselves. I agree more with the scientific principles that outside force mm-hmm. causes things to act in a way that is not expected right that alter entropy Mm -hmm. and so i would say my position the position of the christian worldview a creator's position is actually more scientific than the scientific perspective right because i have plausible arguments where they're left with questions Mm -hmm. and observable science is not in conflict with my position in the same way that it is with their position. Right. It and 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 sure they they might there might be some with answers that are sort of pushing against these kinds of things. That's fine, but my position doesn't it, it's not difficult to see answers to those things. Right, right. Right? Um so the big bang theory doesn't scare me. Yeah. I don't see it as this big nasty monster that comes against as a binary thing. Mm-hmm. Um I see it as I, I see the observation of the world having or the universe coming to, into being at a point in time, continuing to expand, and finding itself in order. Not to be antithetical to the Christian worldview, but instead to amplify the Christian worldview mm-hmm. and to validate the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with this as an observable thing. I have a problem with it when people uh, try to write God out of it. Right. And I think the Christian worldview is the best interpretation mm-hmm. of the cosmological science that formed the Big Bang Theory. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and, and but I, you know, and I, I'm not really in stark opposition to any of that. I think the, I think from what we, from what even secular scientists are beginning to recognize is that the Big Bang Theory has a whole lot of holes in it. Mm-hmm. Now, on other areas too as well, like in, in, on things that are far too complex for me to fully understand and certainly for me to try to communicate mm-hmm. on this podcast. But, but, but nevertheless, I mean, I think we don't have to be afraid of scientific research. God is a source of all, of all knowledge. In fact, knowledge itself would be meaningless apart from some kind of absolute knowledge to measure it against. And so we don't have to be scared as Christians of like diving into these questions. And if things point to a certain thing, we can look to that 
but like they will inevitably line up with what what is known to be true yep um and so yeah so anyways i I mean if people have questions questions concerns you hit us up um but uh yeah that was a good one all right well thanks for listening this podcast is a resource of memorial baptist church in stratford ontario in cooperation with the gospel coalition of canada it's produced by the guy in the next office he is alex see ya bye